0: Well, good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. Everybody come on in. Um, How are we this morning? Happy Mother's Day. Um, Happy Mother's Day um, to the moms in the room. Um, Well, I I don't know, uh, I'm Garland. If it's your first time, welcome to Fellowship Fayetteville. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's a joy to get to sing together this morning. But I, I don't know if you're like me. Oftentimes, when we come in here on a Sunday morning, um, you know, you're, you're trying to get through the parking lot, and, and, you know, for me, oftentimes, it's getting our three kids up and getting them in here, and um, it can be kind of jarring to go from, you know, the weekend and whatever's going on and the Razorback game and then seeing people and then Sunday morning getting in here and, and getting to the parking lot and getting through the, through the door and getting kids checked in and getting here, and then it's like, okay, now we're singing. And what I'd like for us to do um, just this morning is something a little bit different, like, uh, I'm bad at doing this, but um, whenever, you, like, whenever you're going to run or go work out, it can be advisable uh, to stretch beforehand, just like allow your body to get uh, remotely adjusted to what you're doing. And um, just, just for my sake, maybe for your sake as well, I just want to invite you to invite us together, um, almost just to enable our, our hearts, our minds, and our souls to just take a, a deep breath and together hear each other sing uh, and, and then we'll sing out here just a second. So um, I'm going to invite you, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand just a second, and we're going to sing, um, for, for many of us maybe, very familiar words. Uh, if you're new to church, then just think about the words. Maybe you want to, um, if you haven't been to church in a long time, or maybe it's your first time, think about the words that you hear sung around you, the words that we have on the screen, and you could take a deep breath. And then uh, we really believe that that God is the king of the world and that he desires to meet you and meet me here This morning. So with that in mind, church, I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite us to sing together to praise our Lord. Jesus, you are our king. You are our rescuer. You are our savior. And we're here right now. You've brought us here right now in this place this morning that we might honor you, that our lives and our hearts and our minds might be adjusted and reoriented to you as our king, that we might realign our praise to you. We give you the honor and the glory in this place this morning. Amen. If you wouldn't mind, would you stand? And let's sing together. And I'm just going to invite you, if you're a Jesus follower, especially in the room, uh, we can do that thing where we fake sing. You kind of move your mouth a little bit and then nothing really comes out. And that's okay. Uh, but let's sing together. Um, you're singing maybe for the person next to you. And you're also singing because we want to honor the Lord in this place. So let's sing these words. Win peace.
1: Like a river Attended My way When Sorrows Like sea Billows Roll
0: Whatever my life
1: Whatever My Thou hast taught me to say, It is well. These words, my sin and my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole. This is good news. Sing it out. Isn't it? To the cross. With my soul,
2: with my soul,
1: it is.
0: Let's just acknowledge our need for rescue. Church, let's confess. Heavenly Father, have mercy on us. We have not loved you as you deserve. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not obeyed you as we should. Lord, forgive us our sin. We are in need of a savior. That's not the end of the story, though. Our need is met in that savior, The person, Jesus, the risen King, Jesus. And when you place your trust in him as king and follow him, there's good news. So church, believe the good news. Jesus died for us. Jesus rose for us. Jesus intercedes for us. In him, we are a new creation. In him, we have forgiveness of sin. In him, we have a savior. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Continue to worship.
3: morning, church family. I seem to be finding myself up here most Sundays now. Is that not exciting? I'd like you to meet my friend, Domaine Martinez, and we're privileged uh, to be brothers in Jesus. And uh, years ago, in a really dark place, God reached down and he found him, and he rescued him, and he set him free. And for years, uh, he's hesitated, Maine's hesitated uh, to be baptized and God's been doing some really neat things in his life. I think his family would attest to some of that as well. And uh, he felt like that he needed to uh, walk in obedience to the command to be baptized and he wanted his church family to know about it and he wants you to know that he's a follower of Jesus. So to is it your testimony, your family of faith, that you've trusted Jesus to save you from your sin you believe in his resurrection to give you eternal life. By that profession domain, I now baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Well,
2: amen is an incredible thing to watch life change and get to celebrate it. And we're gonna continue worshiping with the rest of the world, the saints in the world, as we sing this song. that as a body, that you are great, that you deserve all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And Lord Jesus, we just, we pray that this day would be a day that we would recenter around the truth of the gospel and that we would be reminded who we represent and who we serve as we go out. We love you and in your name. Amen.
3: Well, good morning fellowship. And you can be seated for just a few minutes before we read God's Word. Uh, My name's Clark. If I haven't met you, had the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here. And Scott Davis. This is my friend Scott Davis. um, Great friend of mine. And and we wanted to celebrate um, just for uh, just for a minute. Uh, It was seven years ago, Mother's Day, that we opened Fellowship Fayetteville. It was actually May the 8th, but it was Mother's Day. And uh, remember uh, baptizing a young man by the name of Maddox Sutton, and uh, he was our first baptism in this place and in this space, and I wanted to just have some fun with just um, what God's done, and if you don't mind, if you were present when we launched Fellowship Fayetteville, would you stand, please? If you are present when we launched, okay? All right, now see the room. Now hear it. Now, if... Those of you that are sitting here, you are one of the reasons that we came to Fayetteville. And so, 60 to 70% of the room are not part of this experience when we launched. And that is what God is doing. Not just through baptism, but through life change and through small groups and discipleship and multiplication. And so, thank you who were with us seven years ago for making this happen in the Lord. You can be seated now. Yeah. Scott? It's Mother's Day. It is. And you and I, and also your wife, Shelly, we've been through a lot in the last few years yeah, as we've yeah. watched our mothers pass and go home. And you want to share a little bit about that? And then Scott's got an update for us on some men's ministry initiatives too.
4: Well, happy Mother's Day. My mother went to be with Jesus in December, and I'm wearing pink because that was her favorite color. She liked pink so much, she painted four rooms in her house pink. Helped with a resale value. Uh, we, my sister and I were in our family. We're still processing everything because it's fresh. So Mother's Day is a little interesting for us. But uh, we remember mom and how her hospitality. We were constantly having people at our house eating and feeding and the care. There's a, there's a little widows group inside Fellowship. And she was always calling them and checking on them. At one point, she was in two community groups and a Bible study. Like it? She, collie, oh, a little bit, yes, yeah. yeah uh, she was great in a crisis. So we we just remember these great things about her and the impact, the legacy she had on us and our family, and even went a little way in fellowship, right? So my challenge and my encouragement to you today, as you're celebrating Mother's Day with your family, whatever you do, is if your mother's passed, just come back to that and say. Hey, this is what I remember about mom. This is what she taught me. Uh, My mom's work ethic pushed me, right? So some of these things just kind of, that they ingrained in us. So I challenge you to do that today as you do Mother's Day. But I'm also talking about men's ministry, Clark. Yeah. So we have a golf tournament coming. How about that for transition? <laughs> Golf is the only spiritual game, right? Because there's sand saves, there's out of bounds, there's all kinds of great things. This is becoming an annual event. Uh, Stonebridge, June 16th. So there's a sign-up QR code. If you're a golfer and you want to get involved, sign up quickly, limited spots. If you uh, are new to fellowship, this is a way to connect with guys around a sport, a hobby, and get to know some guys and get plugged in. If you're, if you're in your community group and you want to make your own team, that's a lot of that, send me an email and we'll get that going. So sign up June 16th. And we're getting ready to start men's Bible studies summer study. So this is our third little, we do about every season, which spring, fall, summer. The summer study is going to be on Counterfeit Gods. It's a Tim Keller book, fantastic book. It uh, begins Wednesday the 24th. Am I reading that right? Yeah, 25th, 25th. So Wednesday, 6.30 a.m., FSM room to our left, you're right, 6.30. Come and there'll be about a 30-minute little sermonette and then 30 minutes of being a small group at a table, discussion questions. So just like everything fellowship, different speaker every week. If you don't like this speaker, come back next week, right? So we have four speakers, four weeks. Another good way, if you're new to fellowship, to come get plugged in, meet some guys. And a lot of time, those groups then morph into a Bible study that goes through the fall. So sign up for that. want to make sure we know. If you want a book, uh, there'll be books. We'll be selling them at the Bible study. But if you want it early, just get a hold of me. I'll get you a book. Clark? Thanks,
3: Scott. Appreciate you, man. Hey, let me grab that mic. Yeah, thank you.
4: Come on up, Miss Pam.
3: Well, honey, this is my lovely wife, Pam. Happy Mother's Day. And do we have our picture of our boys up here? Y'all have that? Yeah. And so, man, we've got a lot going on this week. Yeah. I got to read this. We got to get her through this. Um, But even we were experiencing some graduation stuff yesterday and also coming up this Thursday as well. And boy, do they grow up. And some of you know that. And you're feeling that even this weekend. And so, um, I've asked. My wife, Pam, to read our text for the day. And so in honor of the word of God, would you stand with me, please?
5: Hi, I'm reading from Acts 9, 1 through 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank.
3: This is the word of God. You may be seated. Well, as we get started this morning, um, if you have your Bibles, you can go and head to turn and go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 9 there. And it's funny, we were reading that earlier this week, and we got through that first verse where it talks about threats and murder, and she realized it was going to be Mother's Day when she's reading that. Happy Mother's Day, honey. Yeah. Um, hey, I want to, as we get started, in, in light of also our celebration of this being our uh, seven years of being here, we want to celebrate some new members. And so you can see on the screen, um, we've got a collection over the last... Um, six months or so, these are people who have gone through our Discover membership experience. And so they've attended a couple of classroom sessions over here on Sunday morning. They were part of a small group as they walked through biblical content on what it means to grow in Jesus and to experience community. And so um, if you're in the room and your name is on here this morning, would you stand right now, please? If you're in the room and your name is on the screen this morning, would you stand, please? Yeah. Give them a hand. Yeah. Welcome to be a part of this covenant in this family that is Fellowship Fayetteville. We're grateful for you. Well, as I said, we are in uh, Acts chapter 9 this morning, and if you're new with us or this is your first time with us, um, we're working through a series called Risen, and we're looking at six different appearances by Jesus as he interacted with those after his resurrection. The unique one about today, it's not only after his resurrection, it's after his ascension, and so there's some really unique things about this story that we'll see. And we'll see, ultimately, that the risen Jesus is the key, is the pivot, is the center of a transformed life. And so we're in the last two weeks of this uh, Risen series. And uh, if you're looking to be a part of an ongoing experience here at Fellowship Fayetteville this summer, um, just so you know, on Memorial Day weekend, we're going to be launching a, a series in the, in the book of First Peter, And so we're excited about that series. Uh, we'll pre- be providing you some daily readings, providing you with a bookmark to guide you into your devotional life. And so we're excited about that, and what's coming as well. But today, we meet a man, his name is Saul. And in his zeal, he had a holistic identity change in his life, and he didn't see it coming, and he would never be the same again. And so to get us caught up to speed with where we are in the book of Acts, Acts is simply Luke's narrative of the church. The book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, is sim- simply Luke's narrative of the life of Jesus. And now we see the life of the church and how Jesus made himself known, not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentile nations of the world. Uh, last week, Andy walked us through uh, what happened at the ascension of Jesus. And then later, in chapter 2, this gospel sermon is preached, and 3,000 people believe the gospel and are added to the number and become what we know is now the church. Um, At Pentecost is what we call that. They become indwelled by God's Spirit, but also empowered by God's Spirit to proclaim the good news of Jesus, not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, which would be most of us in this room today, the gospel would go out to the Gentiles. As the gospel made its way um, through the known world at the time, life change began to happen. And so did persecution of those who claimed the name of Jesus. And in Acts chapter seven, Stephen is martyred for his faith and he sees Jesus as he makes his way home to be with Jesus. And then in Acts chapter eight, Philip leads the Ethiopian eunuch to faith in Jesus. And now the gospel is full-blown pushing into the Gentile world. And then we pick it up here in chapter 9. And um, just for your purposes in study, and I began to expand some of my study as I studied um, just the transformational work of Jesus in the life of Paul, um, this might be helpful for you as we do our study today. I call it Paul's or Saul's synoptic story. The word synoptic simply means seen together. We call the, gosp- the synoptic gospels um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We see the life of Jesus through the lens of those together. These other chapters speak into, in greater detail, Acts chapter 9. And so you'll see that in Acts 22, Acts 26. You'll see it in Philippians 3, 1 Timothy 1. This is Paul consistently recounting his life-changed story on this road to Damascus, as we'll see today. And then for our purposes today, we're going to move through this story in just three simple ways. We're going to see the before of his life. Uh, We're going to see the light, the day he saw the light, and then we're going to see the transformation. What was different about him because of the risen Jesus and his encounter with him? And so we're going to pick up here in verse 1 of Acts chapter 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest. Why did he go there? He was getting letters to the synagogues at Damascus. These letters were letters for him to go out and find Jews who had believed the gospel so that he could bring them in and persecute them. If he found any belonging to the way, those that were following Jesus in this new way of life, men or women, he might bring them down to Jerusalem. Now Damascus is 135 miles or so, just kind of north northeast of Jerusalem. So this guy named Saul, what's he doing here? And in these two verses, we're introduced to a man who's really committed to his faith, to his Jewish faith. And this is his story before he meets Jesus. And these two verses capture that. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to color the lines in us for a few, uh, color the lines of his life for us for a few minutes this morning. And in his own words, I want to get us to this moment. How did he find himself in this moment where he's willing to persecute and bring people to death for their belief in Jesus? What got him to that moment? We'll go to Acts 22, and we'll let him say it. He's um, before a council here. He's having to defend himself, and this is what he says in his own words. He says, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, Jerusalem, educated at the feet of Gehamelel. You say that? Happy Mother's Day. Gehamelel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, and being zealous for God, as all of you are this day, I persecuted the way to death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. Saul's before part of his life in Christ is rooted in religious tradition and zeal. He trusted in his, and we'll see his ethnicity, he trusted in his morality, and he trusted in his loyalty to the Torah and to Yahweh. And I know that's an odd list. Some of you and your before stories are not about commitment to religious tradition. Some of you, you do have that story. Some of you, your before story, you'd rather not talk about it in church. But Paul's before story was this religious commitment. We learn more about this commitment in Acts 26. He's standing before King Agrippa. And he's actually sharing his story with a king with the expectation that this king would turn from his sins and trust Jesus and become a follower of the way. Paul was bold. He says this, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things to oppose the name of Jesus. He says, I locked up many saints in prison. I cast my vote against them, and they were put to death. It's an interesting use of words that he uses in the account of his story here. He says at the end of 11, he says, in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. He was so committed, he was willing to go to other places to go after and hunt down followers of the way, these new Christians, and bring them bound to Jerusalem and persecute them, to force them to blaspheme God. And then we see in Philippians 3, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, this is some 30, 35 years later when he writes this. If you think you have confidence in the flesh, flesh meaning your ability in your flesh, independent of God, to create a resume before God so that God would accept you. If you think you've got a reason to trust in your flesh, hear this, I've got more. Circumcised the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor. As to righteousness, blameless. It's pretty bold. He took pride in his ethnicity, took pride in his morality, and his commitment and his zeal to his religious tradition. These things defined Saul's core identity. I thought, you know, I get that, but this is how I might phrase it, being from Arkansas. Um, there was a time where I trusted in where I came from, what I know, what I do, what I'm good at, and who I know. And that's, this is part of Paul's list here. And this is what marks many of your before, things that you trusted in spiritually to make you right before God or in relationship with him Some of you find yourself in that place right now. Um, You find yourself in that before. These are the things that you're trusting in. So how about you and your before? Paul had his before. It was marked by religious zeal. It was marked by participating and being complicit in murdering those who were following Jesus. Maybe that's not part of your story. But you've trusted in things other than Jesus. And I wanted to just acknowledge that some of us in the room, may have forgotten a lot of our before. You know why? Because you were really young when God rescued you. And what I don't want to do is slight God's gracious work in your life by celebrating Saul's life. It's this incredible transformation that we all kind of stand up and under against, and we go, wow, that's not my story. I don't have a great story. I want to remind you of how incredibly awesome it is and gracious of God if you came to Christ when you were young for him to rescue you at that such young of an age. Is that not incredible? That he would save you and rescue and protect you from the consequences of sin at such a young age. Don't ever slatter mock God because he rescued you and you don't have the coolest story that you'd wanna share up on stage, right? It's an amazing act of grace that he would do that. That's some of your stories in here. That's part of your before experience. For some of us, our before is much darker, even than what we, as we would compare ourselves even to Saul. It wasn't that we were committed to religious tradition. We were committed to the darkness of hedonism and pleasure and the addiction of obvious sins of the flesh, things that we wouldn't want to speak of in this room, things that you've tried to forget, things you've been in counseling for the things that God has rescued from, some of those things you're still reaping the consequences of here on this side of heaven. But you trusted in your flesh so much so that your flesh actually owned you at one time. And some of you may find yourself in that space in here this morning. You find yourself in the before. But then others of you, like me, part of your before story is this. You see, I missed Jesus in the church. And it wasn't because of the church and because of someone who did something to me. I just missed him. I, I, I bought into this idea that I could do things for God and I could impress others who were also doing things for God. And I exchanged the things I was doing for God and thinking those, that's how I received righteousness from God and acceptance from him. And I missed the gospel inside his family of faith. And a man sat me down one night and he walked me through the good news of the gospel through the book of Romans. He helped me see my big miss. And Jesus found me and I saw the light the light of the good news of the gospel. And so we all have a different before. Paul seems to be really skilled in the grace of the Lord and be able to lean into his before without being, without being marked by his core identity because of his before, okay? He knows that God has rescued that. So what happened? Well, if you're familiar with the story, he does see the light, and we pick that up in verse three. It says that suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. He falls to the ground, and he hears a voice. And hear the words of Jesus here. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what to do. The men around him in verse 7, they heard the voice. They see no one. Saul rises from the ground. He opens his eyes, but he can't see. He's blinded at this point. They lead him by hand. They bring him on into Damascus, and then for three days, blinded, he neither eats or drinks. And so just a few notes here. There's a light from heaven. This is consistent with other appearances of Jesus or Yahweh in the Old Testament where a great light would shine, most likely a manifestation of the weight of God's glory, his purity, his presence. So we have a light from heaven. We have a voice from Jesus. There's a command. This is Paul's first command from Jesus. And then he walks in blindness. As I was reading this um, text devotionally and just asking the Lord, what do you what do you want me to see here? It just even for me, okay? I know we're going to be walking through this with a thousand of my good friends here on a Sunday morning. But what else is going on in this passage? It's really interesting here the way Jesus words this. Jesus sees persecution of his followers as persecution of him. He takes it personal, and it's offensive to him. Why? Because there's a union of identity, not only us with him as followers, but in that union, us with one another. You see, in the Old Testament, the church is called his Body. It's his household, his temple, his family. And I don't want to I want to be careful not to push this too far, okay? But I'm wondering if we hadn't pushed it far enough before. This is an implication of that. And I've heard this said, and I have emotionally the last three years, I've felt this. I'm into following Jesus. I'm not into his church. Has anyone felt that before? You're all into Jesus and what he has, but his church, I got a lot of problems with you guys, right? And some of you feel that. One of the implications, this idea, we don't have that option as followers of Jesus. It's connected to the great commandment. If You're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. We're going to love one another unselfishly, with sacrifice. And when we sin against one another, we sin against Jesus, and it hurts the body. There's a solidarity that Jesus feels with those who are being persecuted here. Another application it would be made for us is it should, ha- it should affect the way we handle conflict with one another. We're going to be right and enjoy the fullness of joy in our relationship with Jesus. We must learn learn to love his church, for we are his body. We are his body. Now, I want to summarize um, the next seven verses or so, um, verses 10 to 16. Paul has made his way to Damascus, and there's a disciple named Ananias. Okay, There's three different Ananiases, by the way, in the book of Acts. This Ananias is a young Jew who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, and he sees Jesus in a vision. Jesus commands him to go to a specific house on a specific street to see Saul. Ananias is hesitant. It's like, do you not know this guy's reputation? I'm going to be walking into a trap here and make it easy for him to take me in and have me forced to blaspheme. So he's hesitant. Jesus says, Ananias, I've got a plan for Saul. I've got a mission for him. And so we pick it up here in verse 17. Ananias is obedient. He enters the house. He sees Saul, brother Saul. He lays hands on him. And he says, he sent me to see you so that you would regain your sight, regain your physical sight, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 18, immediately something like scales fall from Paul's eyes, and he can see again, and then he rose, and he was baptized, and he took food with strength, and for some days, he was with the disciples here. I think it's an interesting study and in transformation. What happens when you and I meet the risen Jesus? What happens in that rescue story? Well, in his specific situation, he has his Physical sight restored. No doubt he's having a spiritual sight transformation happen as well, as did his brothers previously on the road to Emmaus that we looked at a few weeks ago. But he's also filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Let's not miss this. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would hover and empower for acts of service for God to accomplish things in and through the people of God. His people is real, okay? At Pentecost, the onset of the church, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit now indwells believers to bring glory to Christ and to, empower, and to empower them for service. And we see that shift happening here. Paul would later write very clearly on that in the book of Ephesians. He says that upon belief in Christ... The Spirit now indwells you and is your deposit that guarantees your inheritance one day. So that's happening here as well. Paul is going through that feeling, that indwelling of the Spirit. He's baptized like the man. He follows Jesus in obedience, baptism, and identifies with him. And what I don't want us to miss here is part of his transformation experience It's almost as if it's said in passing, he was with the disciples. There's something powerful in your transformation story about your new community of faith and God's ability to use that to transform you. And then Paul experiences this new mission, this new message. You will pick that up in verse 20 here. It says that he now goes into the synagogues immediately, right out of the gate, He goes in the synagogues and he's preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 22, he increases in strength. He confounds the Jews who live there by proving that Jesus is the Christ. What changed from Paul's before to this moment where now he's preaching the Son of God in the synagogue? He's seen the risen Christ. It's the pivot belief. If you've studied the book of Acts, it's the pivot doctrine that his disciples would preach this doctrine of the resurrection, this is what would get them in trouble. And this is the message that would lead thousands to faith in Jesus. He met the risen Jesus. And so why does this story, what implications does it have for us? Why does it matter for us? And I'd actually just ask you this question. Have you been transformed by the risen Jesus? Have you been transformed by the risen Jesus? And if so, how? What's different about you? Now, just a a few comments here. Uh, Just a reminder about God's great work in your transformation and in Saul's. Saul's before is actually highlighted by his self-effort. By his own self-effort. His transformation in this story is a complete work of divine effort. Nothing except as a response of faith to Jesus did Paul bring to the table. His transformation is a divine work, so is yours. There's not a person in here, Christ is on the throne of your heart and his spirit indwells in you, that would with a straight face take credit for your salvation, right? God found you, and it's a divine work of him just like he did Saul. We cannot take credit for our spiritual rescue story. Another implication here, Saul is a key part of God's plan to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, and this includes us in this room today. Another thought I had as I was reflecting on this is that enemies of God are not too far from God. Maybe you in the room this morning, or it may be someone you know in your family or a friend, and most days they seem too far gone. There's hope for them. Only God can do it, but there's hope for them in the gospel. Enemies of God are not too far from God as we see in the life of Saul. So what changed in Saul's life and what can change in our life um, through transformation? Consider these areas of our life, if you will. There's more, but consider your loyalties, your passions, your lifestyle, your priorities, your motives. We see God begin to do heart surgery on Paul right out of the gate in some of these spaces. The way you make decisions, your relationships, who you run with, the stewardship of your money, the stewardship of the gifts you have, the stewardship of the talents you have. Um, your purpose. You know, I know a lot of your stories in the room and I've seen God do a, a mighty work of transformation. I know many of your before stories and some of you were captured and captivated by dark sin and addiction, sexual immorality, pornography. Some of you were in love with yourself And you were chasing success, and your core identity in terms of who you were as a young operator was wrapped up in a number that you were building for yourself, and it gave you credibility with others. And I've seen God rescue you from those things. I've seen him rescue you from sexual immorality and change the way you view the opposite sex as created in the image of God. I've seen many of you who are greedy now become the most generous people in our church. I've seen men in here who were once passive and walking in mediocre lifestyles and now they're intentional husbands and fathers and they're trying to captivate their neighborhood in this city to follow Jesus now. Only Jesus can do these stories. What's changed? Have you been transformed by the risen Christ? And how? How? I want to affirm for you that God wants to use the whatever before part of your life is as maybe a key part of your story to help someone else come to faith in him. And so, this morning, this Mother's Day, if you have walked in ignorance, and when I use that word, without knowledge, that there is a resurrection and there's life found in him and his resurrection, and his name is Jesus. If this is the first time you're hearing this, I want to make a plea with you to cast yourself upon the mercy of God and to believe that he's risen from the dead. And I'm going to let Paul coach us up here. We're going to let his language speak into this space. I'm going to read some some verses from the words of God, and we're going to let the word of God do the work of God. Okay? So stay with me here for a minute. When Paul's writing to Timothy and he's reflecting on his story, this is what Paul says. He says, I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. Verse 15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. That's how Paul saw himself. But... I receive forgiveness. Now hear it. For this reason, this is the reason he received forgiveness. That in me, as the foremost of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to who? To those who were to believe in him for eternal life. That's us. Part of God's rescue story in the life of Saul was so that you and I would hear the good news of this trustworthy saying. We're one of the reasons. What is this message? Again, let's let the words of Paul as he interacts with Jesus in Acts 22 speak it. This is what it looks like. This is what transformation looks like. Jesus says, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they would turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God to receive the forgiveness of sin and a, sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me, that they should repent and turn from God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. And in Philippians 3, says this, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'm willing to suffer the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish so that I would know him. Now hear this, this is, this is the to pivot doctrine in the Christian faith. This is the key to transformation, verse 9. Being found in him, in Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Is this not good news this morning? This is the good news of the gospel. These scriptures... For those of you that find yourself in the before part of your story, these scriptures are your invitation to trust Jesus and to cast yourself upon the mercy of God. And so what I've done is, you can see on the screen there, I've taken Paul's own words from the Word of God, just crafted a prayer. And if you find yourself in this before part of the story, what God's doing in this room today, and these words express the desire of your heart, I would invite you to meet the risen Jesus. I'd like you to bow your head. I'm gonna pray these words out loud, and if it's the desire of your heart, you can pray this silently as you sit there, and we'll let God do God's word. God, I have acted ignorantly in unbelief. I believe Jesus has risen, from the dead. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners like me. I now believe in him for eternal life. Turn me from darkness to light. I receive your forgiveness for my sin. I turn to you now for rescue. As of today, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I am now found in Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Thank you for your great mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. If this prayer has expressed the desire of your heart today, I would like to welcome you to your new family of faith. And some of you, on this Mother's Day, you've had a mama that's been praying for you. She's been praying for this moment. You need to let her know today. Some of you need to let a friend, let one of the staff members know. Let someone know. Let someone know in our prayer room that you now believe in the risen Christ and he is worthy. Father, thank you for the goodness and grace that's in the gospel. Thank you for this resurrection, ascension moment that Saul had. Thank you that the gospel has come to us because of his story. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Well, church, as we reflect on the, the mystery of the good news of what Jesus has done intersecting his salvation work, his resurrection, With many of us me going into 10th grade, let's just celebrate that together. Would you respond together? Let's stand and sing.
1: We could never afford our sins, they are made, His mercy.
0: We thank you that your love for us is new every day. It's unfathomable that you separate us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. On the cross, our sin is paid for, and in your resurrection there is victory over sin and death. You are the king, even working to change lives ever since that day. For many of us in this room, including maybe someone this morning, changed our life. The mystery is profound. That speaks to our King. So Jesus, today we honor you with our life. We want to tell of our King, the rescue of the Savior that we have. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Fellowship, Fayetteville, we love you. If you need prayer right through there, we'd love to celebrate.